0: Hello, my children, and welcome to the Church of Pentag. May the cores be our savior. I'm a spear head of service and joined with me is my Apostle Cosmic. John will not be joining us today as he did have some work engagements. Nevertheless, we will be trying to hold it down today. And Cos, how are you doing on this wonderful day?
1: Doing pretty good. Just excited. We finally got spoiler season started, even if it's uh, off to a slow start, but hopefully a good things soon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think um, we'll probably talk about that later on, uh, just because, like, there's first off, new cards, always great, always exciting, especially with, like, how impactful we think the starter deck is going to be. So that started off the conversations, like, incredibly strong. Uh, But it is, it's been an interesting reveal season. And at this point, it's just kind of wondering, like, where it's all going to go. So we're going to see there. Uh, First, we're going to jump into Glasgow, talk about that Grand Open. Uh, We've gotten information about the Pro Tour as well uh, before the end of uh, last week. And then we'll be jumping into the reveals after guess that flavor text. But to kick it off, we did have another grand open in Glasgow United Kingdom. And uh, Cosmic, where do you think the United Kingdom Glasgow champion hails from? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh we got to give it back to the American Invasion taking another one I guess, but um yeah, got to give a sh- special shout to Alex Blandon taking it down and just uh at the time of recording this he actually just booked his flight and is off to the uh, Australian one, right, the Melbourne that's happening this weekend. So maybe he'll win two back to back, right? That would be uh absolutely insane, but hey, if terrorists are good, true duelists are going to show up with it and uh put up some good numbers.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Alex will end up having a win in every international region before having a North American win, which I think is really funny. So we'll see how that all plays out.
1: Appreciate the dedication, right, to all the, the traveling and whatnot. But
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, especially since like he'll go home, spend a day home being like, oh, I don't know when the next one will be. And then you'll just have a book flight for the next one. So I mean, hey, if I could do it, if I could pull it off, I'd probably be doing the same thing. So, um, but yeah, so in terms of Top Cut, well, top eight, nothing crazy at all. Top, uh, top eight was half Axe Spider Field, and then the other half of the pie was split between purple and red, of which it was like Pterosaur. And then at least to Purple's credit, it was like a mid-range deck and then a Curse Dragon combo deck, which is really funny because like if you'd hear uh, a Yumu talking in Discord, he's like, I'm never playing that card again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, God, Nemesis is which... definitely being the, the big pickup here. And it's one that with Lamorak, obviously got a lot of set too, but it was really nice to see just like traditional core control because I think there's been some uh you know step away with that with how the metas evolve obviously not that great into axe spider but with honestly how white has been changing up some of its lists and again depending on how the meta might shake up looking to the pro tour like curse combo might actually just be really playable again so we'll see how the purple players adopt in the following weeks but you know at least some variation uh, in the purple list that popped up
0: yeah i think it's i think it's like weird because like, yes, it doesn't do anything into Axe Spider itself, but Axe Spider is like the least relevant part of the list. Like, yes, he's annoying and he's like essentially what enables you to have copies, you know, five through however many ice shields because you can just kind of like infinite block you time when like infinity shield or suppression. But at the end of the day, what really gets you are the dinos you know, it's the Aegis being able to attack, it's the Elephant being able to attack. And on that front, for the most part, Curse, combo clears with big boards um so i actually don't necessarily hate it for that notion especially if you combo it with the additional top end of like maduke or whatever to then be able to close out the games with the X spider still being on the board i think that's kind of like that mashup can kind of do something i mean heck uh we saw a novelist that just decided to slap maduke in and just call it a day among like all the other things it was doing so
1: <laughs> and i think that's a lot of where set three is gonna you know take us into right with set one we did see a lot of you know fair battle spirits being played i guess is what you would call it and with set two we did see much of okay we have to do the unblockable spot because white is going to be like able to hold down the fort um a lot of uh jokers have made a lot of main deck and side deck cards right just getting to these alternate and being kind of looser with the word of it right it's not just hey my normal guy can swing and get through unless you're playing green right then you have thorn prison and the new tokiwa to look forward to but i'm fully expecting a lot more unblockable we have a technically life burn card in the lore set. And then with blue right around the corner, also mill. So I think we are going to see a lot of these like different ways to win finally come online to its full power with set three. And then set four probably is when it the first real set that all the colors are getting equal support, which is when the meta will finally round out. So I'm really excited to see if the uh, red, purple and, you know, more recently white uh, meta br- can get broken up here within the following, uh, you know, lore set and then set three properly.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you're saying is the fact that like all these sets have kind of been build-up sets, right? Like because we're introducing new colors, there's certain considerations that the developers need to make about not overshadowing the bring-in of the new color. Also, the new color needs to be powerful enough to over to compensate for the fact that the card pool is in green's case half as dense as the other colors when it's coming in, and then blue's case, uh, two-thirds less amount of cards, right? So those are the, just the additional kinds of things that you consider. So that's why for me set four. like, don't get me wrong, we're getting set three and I'm very excited to see kind of like what that brings together and everything. Uh, but I feel like set four, like you were saying is really where like, okay, now we have all the colors. They're all introduced. They all have a baseline. Now we can really kind of see how the, the blending, right? Because I think we've gotten ideas of like, Hey, yellow's bad until like red and purple, but it's extremely good until white and stuff like that. And I think the dynamics of the strengths and weaknesses of all the colors are something that we're going to see so much more, with all the colors being around and then the sets being focused around how they all play with each other as opposed to trying to like highlight a certain set of colors um yeah that's
1: been the interesting thing too right because we talk about how much red and purple you know yellow is good into white like that even right now with axe and everything that's going on you can build a yellow deck that's going to be white and then the other good matchup for yellow is supposed to be blue which again isn't here yet so it'll be really interesting to see Your bad matchups are going to be traditionally red and purple. Your good matchups are traditionally going to be white and blue. Green, you're like, okay, we're both doing our own thing. So it'll be interesting to see. And then every color has a dynamic like that. So hopefully that's when you start to see the meta really shine in the six different uh, colors kind of having equal representation. But red and purple just started off strong right out of the gate um, and had favorable color matchups, to be fair, like uh, for the first couple sets. So fingers crossed for set three.
0: Yeah. And with that said, uh, you know, looking into the deck lists, uh, nothing too crazy in the top eight. Um, I think one of the Axe Spider decks was a Turbo Rex deck, which I like, good on them. I mean, Turbo Rex can do a lot of great things against Axe Spider specifically. It hedges you against a lot of like your um your really bad matchups like Elk and stuff like that. So um, in terms of the blendon list, if you guys want to know the changes to like Pterosaur, uh, nothing really. I think the big changes they got rid of Saurosaurus and upped their uh, Eagles and Gaganos back to four copies each. Um, and i think there might be a little bit of like a, a mix-up in the sideboard but nothing too crazy really on uh, their deck um here i'm looking at one of the axe Spider decks and again very similar to what we're seeing with uh the list from caleb i think a lot of lists are very similar they're very much mech beast based at this point just because you have such a density of mech beast that it's actually worth running three four Guard cities you're running ages uh now we're looking to running elk board and stuff like i Here we've got the turbo rex board instead you know so uh, a lot of those cards that kind of lend itself well to more being a white core. And then you're just splashing the other colors for card advantage or removal. Um, and then if you break away from top eight, though, you get the things that are slightly more interesting. Uh, like here we have uh, Michael Lang's list, uh, which is like, a what is it? Yellow luster or yellow? Yeah,
1: Fable beast luster. So this is an interesting one. Um, I have to give them a shout out in particular because during the last, I believe it was Germany's Grand Open or, or somewhere in season one, uh, they bubbled out there as well. So they got tenth place at that event, ninth place in this one, bubbling out again. So they have to just ha- how the world works. They have to get a top eight finish um, in the next Grand Open that they play in, and this is true to just. I think there is very much a consideration where other colors are underplayed. Don't get me wrong. I definitely feel that, you know, Rex and Axe are going to be the two best decks in the format. A lot of people will just, you know, shortcut to say there's, it's a two deck format. There's a lot of truth to that, but battle spirits as a game also rewards people for just sticking to a color and just really grinding out the games. And this list in particular is a huge kudos to them for again, sticking it out, evolving the list, playing through the matchups and, To come so close twice on an archetype that a lot of people have honestly forgotten, right? To be fair, or written off, I think is tremendous kudos to to be given. Now, again, the one thing I will say, and I know everyone that plays Yellow can agree with, yes, it's still the Fable Beast package that's kind of underlying it and holding it together because the rest of Luster is kind of not great. Um, But Michaela and Shin just do some amazing things that I definitely think are worth trying out in more lists. And also with the new 6-drop, angel that we just got spoiled like i'm way more excited to play luster now and try to figure out how we can get those high roll payoffs and just nag an entire board by 10k off two spells yes please
0: Yeah, that looks super exciting i like where yellow is actually going to go with some of the new tools that it gotten especially since it allows you to kind of open up and not just play a fabled beast but i guess my like there's a couple of inclusions here that i think are odd i think you know not maxing on cathedral kit is a little bit questionable um i'm sorry but i don't think i'm a believer of crocodile <laughs> like i just i just there's just something about this card if it's the stat line if it's requiring the soul core i just i just don't know that i'm a believer in this card even if it's a fabled beast i can get fabled beast that can gain you a life sometimes but
1: yeah i i ended up cutting it for my list too just because like it, it had that 3k problem so yes it's super greedy for the soul core you need to have your other nexus come online to like get it to a good bp threshold so Like, maybe a one or a two of, just because it is another Fable Beast, it's going to draw you a card. Uh, But the other Nexus that we really do got to give a uh, shout-out to, though, is the Secret Flower Garden, I believe is the name of it off the top of my head, that is the plus 1k for Blessed and Luster, because in this kind of hybrid style of deck, it does help your spirits get above that 6k threshold that, You know, you're often getting threatened by uh, red. So it does help up against the dual eagles and trying to connect. So um, I really did like that. And then, of course, if they ever answer it, you just like heal one. Right. Um, So that was a really interesting tech and one that I think that um, with set three, assuming that we don't get a full on luster deck, like I'd like to say that we will, but probably not because. We got like the aggro luster stuff, but just doesn't fit when blessed is just better. So I think secret flower garden is, flower garden is one we're going to be seeing a lot more of in uh, some of these lists popping up as just like a two of because it can be so good uh, against like the volcanic breaks of the world when red is still everywhere.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the the beauty with yellow that I think is just like it's. So I was like talking about this uh, last week or the week before, um, where when I was talking about the card pool and I was just saying it's kind of crazy that purple isn't tier zero in my opinion, because every time I feel like I have a problem I need to solve in the game, purple kind of just feels like that color, right? That can like help me with my draws or help me with my removal or, you know, x y z. the only thing it really doesn't do is kind of like nexus interaction. Um, and yellow is very much in a world of like starting to fill up a similar space where it's like, I have a problem. And there's these very specific yellow cards that like kind of help me with what I'm getting there. And um, there's that one nexus. I think it's a bird folk nexus that prevents your course from being removed from like purple. Um, You know, so there's these weird glimmers of like cards that I feel have this great usage where it's like it just really kind of needs the core to come together. Uh, Fabled Beast has been that core for a while now, but I think there's really the tools are really building for the color to really flesh out. And I think we just kind of need a little bit of a pressure valve on the format right now. That's like very centralized around like what red and purple are doing and then white based around X spider um, to kind of really let the color shine. So I, I still think there's like definitely legs there.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what the... Because we know there's going to be another Fable Beast X-Rare within set three, and I'm curious to see where that ends up. But based on Harpy Palace Nest or Harpy Nest Palace, whichever it is, um, and how the bird folk want to align, it's almost crazy to say, but I think yellow will actually be good when Fable Beast is no longer the core that everyone's relying on. Like, Paradise is really, really strong. But there are like the the high end of luster is just so much better, right? So Mm -hmm. if we somehow find a way to get off that crutch and push Michaela into where the spotlight that it needs to be in, that could be really good. And yeah, Harpiness Palace, um, making stuff level one is insanely good. If we go back to that rainbow nemesis build, I give another shout out to Bryce, right? He was playing a really sick yellow purple list. And Raphael, yeah, the first two effects just kind of suck. They like never happened. They're not good value engines too hard to get off, whatever. But forcing anything to be level one when you're either blocked by the, uh, if you have this Nexus in play or removing cores, uh, which works offensively and defensively, like shrinking things down level one, but nothing has armor yellow is extremely valuable and lets you line up your removal more effectively, as well as just letting your yellow spirits attack through sometimes, which can be really important. So there's always like, as you mentioned, key pieces that are spread out and not in Fabled Beast, namely that just need a little bit more of a push. And I feel like we might actually get to see something with them
0: yeah, I think you're very much on the right path in terms of, like, the yellow ceiling is incredible when you talk about Mikhail and things like that. I think what Fable Beast provides is the floor, right? Like, Fable Beast, no matter what, you're always going to be able to draw some cards. You're always going to be able to have stuff on the board. So then, like, if you do end up having Cathedral proc, you can, like, slowly rotate. So I think it's, I think it's very much just yellow's floor that kind of needs to be corrected. And part of that just kind of has to do with the fact that we've been in, you know, the world of red and purple, and those are just extremely favored against that. And that just kind of lines to with, itself into what it is um but i think i agree that once the floor moves away from having to just need to run fable beast to account for like the early game you just kind of need to make your late game even be relevant at all i think that it it generally feels like that's kind of when yellow is going to be in a place where we're going to be able to see it consistently at least be in the top cut brackets
1: yeah, as we mentioned with like those auto builds, right? When you think about yellow, it's okay, four paradise, four dual eagle, four hippo at a bare minimum for your yellow floor. And it's just like, all right, that's what I'm starting with. So we'd love some more flexibility at some point there.
0: Yeah, so hopefully that'll come through. I mean, reveal season's still happening, so left we'll to see kind of what happens, especially if a yellow is a little bit favored into blue and blue is looking to at least be a playable spicy color. Um, then kind of see how it lines up there. The the last real feature deck to talk about is uh this. This red pile. <laughs> um, so uh, this was run by, I believe, a Hong Kong player. Uh, uh, my apologies for this name I'm about the butcher, but Chinok Enoch Lao. Um, and it's essentially a—I don't even know if I want to call it a Nova deck because it, it, it runs three Novas. But I mean, and it runs like a red early game. So you got Flamefish and Dragon Arcs. So like there's no shot you're losing to aggro, right? Um, just because you have so much main board, uh, and then you're running your typical things like Andromeda and your uh, Burning Forces at three to account for the fact that you already have two Andromeda's, you're running a lot of draw power, so very reminiscent of what Nova lists have looked like before. But then the top end is just everything. It's like, you know, it's really good against Axe, Elk. You know, it's really good against Axe, Meduke. Yo, you know what's sick, Enterprise. And it's just like throw all the different top ends into this deck and just call it a day to run it through. And it, I think, if anything. I like where it's coming from, from the idea of like, I will never die to aggro because I run the best early game aggro cards. I'm not dying to the late game because I have the best late game. I, th- I feel like a good mid-range deck could really abuse this matchup. But like, hey, at the end of the day, this deck kind of just say I'm going to take both extremes of the meta, account for both of them, and I should be fine. And I think this meta is so greedy that you can probably actually just get there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the one thing that I really and I know they're going to say it's because you want to be defensive. You don't want to ramp your opponent, cores and whatnot. one But the emerald man versus worker ant man really just like stuck me in the side because with how heavy your top end is. And yes, you still do have the big bang energy. Let's get the Nova combo and all that stuff. But like you will take any extra cores you get. And in that regard, it's kind of like, yeah, Nova is a ramp card because you're going to take a bunch of life, do your combo and then heal back up to five. But at The same time, like, just give me the worker ant man so I can more reliably stick these Madukes. Like, Maduke is super core hungry, right? Like, that's another big thing to consider with her. So, like, having the Duke, having the Enterprise, and being off color for both of these, it's gonna take a while to set that up and have enough course to do everything. But, uh, I think the heel is just super super awesome, and it's nice to see because I we talked about this earlier on too, you know, outside of, of this uh podcast, but for a red green, just kind of like ramp mid range strategy that can play into these big boss monsters. I think you still want to play Nova just for the heal, right? There's going to be some games where you have worker Ant-Man early. It gets you some cores, but then you stumble a little bit, take some life. Well, boom, there's Nova coming in, healing you back to five, answering the board, and suddenly you reset it so that you can establish your late game. So I definitely love this idea. I want to see more of this explored out. Once we get more spoilers, obviously like, Red, white has been a big combo that's appearing in Japanese Val Spirits right now. So I really want to see if we can get like a red, white, splash green kind of engine going and seeing where the spoilers might end up for set three.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I think for what's worth, I love deck building like this. It's just like, hey, let's throw it together. Right. Like I've my first grand open was like a red, yellow, like running just white, like just running a bunch of things. Right. So I, I, I'm a big believer in this. I, I am of the opinion that this is kind of a pile. But hey, it got him 10th place. Who am I to judge whatever people are playing? right? Like, What do I know?
1: And <laughs> won five rounds. I mean, you got to give it, gotta get props to that.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, uh, of course, that was everything there. If you guys ever want the full breakdown of the Top Cut, you guys can actually just go on Eggman Events or check out Causes Breakdown on YouTube and there'll be more uh, fleshed out details there about the deck that we saw this week at this event. Uh, and then upcoming is Australia this weekend, right? So... Uh, OCE uh, turnout doesn't look incredibly big so far I think there's some odd like 30 or 40 signed up at the moment so hopefully those will tie more in uh, as we lead into the end of the week but with all these grand opens coming and going we do now jump into the announcements for season three which is very exciting for what it's worth this is relatively early in regards to kind of when we're getting dates and data and all that kind of stuff for set three or, or season three or wave three or whatever you want to call it yeah but it's I can't say I'm exactly thrilled with kind of how everything landed. Um, so uh, I'm going to check the Battle Spirits disc- uh, website just to double check and make sure that all my event dates are right. But uh, essentially, the way that's playing out is that you have kind of like this really offloaded, like front loaded event cycle where you have uh, the Netherlands Grand Open. You have uh, Passage. So that's happening the week after the Pro Tour. Then you have Pasadena happening the week after that. I think Chile is happening within those same two weeks. I think Australia is having one that's happening within those same two weeks. So in terms of uh, the regions that only have one, those are all over. And then the regions that have two events will already have one locked in after uh, right after the pro tour, which that's fine. I don't necessarily mind having an issue with like us going from pro tour into like jumping right into the next season, especially since I think people are excited about set three and want to be jumping into more into that. So to that end, I think I'm very excited. I think it's the latter half. That leaves a lot to be desired. So the way that things have lined up, um, I think the way that it plays out is that the third Pro Tour is happening in December and I think it's the weekend of the 16th. So literally like the weekend before Christmas. Um, Which, fine, like these things happen. Is it the best? No, because people want to save their dates for the holidays and whatever. But like, end of year, it is what it is. I think my biggest issues lie with the fact that Atlanta, which is hosted by PPG, has a grand open and that's happening the weekend before. So that's happening on the 9th and 8th or the, yeah. So, so now it's like, okay, so you have a week to get your invite and then figure out if once you've got it, if you want to pay the money of whatever the flight is to go to Pasadena, which is one coast to another coast, um, or you could just book your flight ahead of time. Cause realistically, I think if you attend the grand open, you're probably going to have a good chance for your invite, but who knows you have like what you're going to have two, three days of like people confirming their invite or else it goes to the pass down based on the way play did it in the first season so like already that I think is unfortunately incredibly disrespectful to the player base I think that's I think that's not allocating enough time for people to figure things out I think it's very disorganized on Bandai TO sides whoever needs to manage this Uh, and then beyond that you have the uh, German Grand Open I think at DreamHack and that's happening on the weekend of the Pro Tour So, like, guess what? You are European, and you're only able to go to the second Grand Open, and like, actually wanted to go to Pasadena. Well, good luck, because unless you've magically invented teleportation in the span of the next three months, it's impossible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired, and I know a lot of other games will, you know, take this time as as a break, right? All things considered, because when you look at November, December, realistically, you're losing two to three weeks out of it, um, especially when you think about. Thanksgiving, Christmas, into New Year's, right? You're, you're basically losing a month off the bat. So you're trying to cram in all these events. And again, the main reason why they're doing it, of course, is to look forward to Worlds and because we're going to have the next major event right after um, in January. But it, and, and again, I, I got to, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, I got to give them the same credit. I love that we're getting these dates super early. I want to see more of that, giving players a lot of time to travel. That's super great. The scheduling just sucked for, for where these landed and is super unfair to players. So um, it's great for those of us that are like are on the East coast and it's super cheap and super easy to get to Atlanta for a lot of people, especially if you're coming out of a hub, but then to go as the spirit mentioned right to the other coast where it's going to be like a $500 flight or something ridiculous. The very next week is going to be rough. And especially for people, if you're not like full time, you know, uh, salary and all that stuff, that is a lot of travel costs in a two week window that sure you're gonna you can win a lot of money. That that'd be great, especially if you spike it. And then you have to wait 30 days to get paid out for it. So it's uh it's it's again one of those things it's like one step forward, love the scheduling and whatnot, and then like three steps back for how everything just kind of played out. Um, but at least worlds will be exciting, or so we hope. Uh yeah, <laughs> so.
0: I I'm on a position oh, yeah. of like thinking worlds is gonna be very exciting. It's just very tough when like it's here's the thing. This is happening to Europeans for a North American Pro Tour. I don't know how upset I should be. I, I know I am upset. I woke up very upset when I woke up to that news to a point where it took me away from the reveals for a minute. Um, but it's like, at the same time, I am not European. This doesn't necessarily impact me. I care because I care about the community and I care about those that it will impact. But at the end of the day, if the Europeans don't care because they weren't going to go anyways, sure, then like there's only so much hubbub I can make about this. But at the end of the day, it's still like it's either just complete, complete miscommunication internally from bandai and this their tos or it's them giving up on the structure of this pro tour system in year one which is just like something has to be communicated here the fact that it just happens and it's just like you guys want to tell us what's going on (laughs) like i think i'm i'm just not in love with the way that it all played out i understand and like here's the thing i feel for tos i understand that getting venues is hard i know that you're competing with like costs and stuff like that and like there's there are whole discussions and reasons as to why like every battle spirits event is at one piece events now, right? Like we share space because like one piece makes money and that allows us to actually be able to host events and stuff like that. So I understand that there's complications in regards to that, but it's, and big companies silos, big respect to all of that. I understand all that. Um, but it, I find it truly, especially like when you're talking about regions like Europe, like Latin America that have felt like they are, you know, playing like second favorite to North America, let's say, or, so it's it, it I just don't think it bodes well when those communities and regions feel the most disenfranchised, and then they're the ones that end up getting like the butt end of the stick when it comes to situations like this. I just it doesn't sit well with me. I and like I tend to be a harbinger for the people more than anything else, and maybe to my detriment because like I get more angry about these things than they do. Um, but it, it's just I don't love how it's happened. I love that it's been said ahead of time. At least players will be able to plan around it, and um, at least players know so that if they do plan on going into to the pro tour not great that they don't really have a choice but at least europeans know that the first grand open is the one that they'll want to go to if their attendance in uh la is kind of where they want to be for the end of the year before they close out and jump us over into world so it's 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 a weird balance um like you said one step back two three steps backward or one step ahead two three step backwards sometimes but hey, well, we'll take the movement at the very least and hopefully next time it'll be two steps forward, one step back and at least we still made progression, you know? So we'll we'll, we'll take that where we can get it.
1: Yeah, we are very much overdue for a uh, roadmap of sorts at this point, which, uh, you know, could help alleviate a little bit of this, even if it's unfortunate now, but I think we're probably still a good two months away before we see a real roadmap coming out of, uh, you know, what does year two look like? What, how is the structure changing? If it's changing, prize pool considerations, right? There's a lot of Big questions uh, that we have as a community looking for uh, for the next year because we know in the roadmap that was originally released, you know the uh, I guess what you would call year two wave one starts in February, like mm-hmm. literally starts right after <laughs> Worlds. It feels like so that'll be uh, interesting to see where it lands.
0: Yeah, I love roadmaps. I I think MTG and like Pokemon, well Pokemon not as much, but still they do like a whole like here's organized play for the entire year, right? Yep. And they're really good about it. they're like these are the dates. Whereas like MTG is a little bit more vague because they need to find venues or whatever like that. But I I truly appreciate the notion of like even if you can't give me hard dates, here's what the year's going to look like. Not only not only are here the dates for your tournaments so that you can kind of book way ahead of time if you want to, um, but here's like what uh, here's what product is going to look like in Magic's case for like the next two years, right? And even and even the stuff they haven't settled on, it's like this is set spaghetti, right? And it's like at the very least you kind of have an idea roughly, of, like, what the plan is, what the structure, you know, it's, at least it kind of gives us an understanding of what the vision is. Um, and I think that's a little bit more core when you're dealing with, like, a, a card game that's not based around an IP, because when you're doing around an IP game, like, everything's already played out, right? Like, if I'm playing a Dragon Ball Super card game, I know that there's going to be a set based on GT, and then a set based on the Frieza arc, and the Saiyan arc, and the this arc, right? Like, it's like it's already kind of all laid out, um, and if, if, if I appreciate, like, whatever the beats of the ip and kind of the the whole ecosystem around that then i can kind of get my own ideas of where they're going to go based on like releases of the show and whatever i like the one piece card game just got like promos that kind of align with the live action and i could have probably gotten an idea that that's kind of where they were going if i was in tune with that specific game because i ca- tracked that ip and that's just that's just kind of like the overall ecosystem is just kind of where i think battle spirits needs to shift and probably what we'll see going into year two i know they've gotten a ton of feedback in that regard Um, so it's, I think those are kind of the, the couple of strides that we kind of need to make to at least build up player confidence when things like these occur. So
1: yeah, or even consider that, uh, maybe six months plus two weeks, right? We should see our first major mechanic in set five and that could be braves. That could be something else, right? Like it doesn't have to be the full the full details of like what to expect and whatnot, but it'd be, it'd be really cool to say, Hey, here's where set four is going to be the double symbols. And then in set five, boom, brand new mechanic. Well, new, if you know, battle spirits, Japan, right. You know what it is, but um, something to like kick off that big year two kind of uh competitive cycle. And also, you know, new block cycle would be really exciting. So fingers crossed, we can just get some kind of uh roadmap again, probably a couple months away yet, but hopefully soon TM, we can uh, get one.
0: No, soon T M. One of my favorite things in all of TCG space. <laughs> oh
1: God! So, with that said, that is
0: kind of the generals of uh, what happened with the Grand Opens, the Pro Tour news. Uh, I mean, for those who don't know, uh, myself, Cause, and many other North Americans are actually going to be attending a lots of events going into uh, the next month. Uh, when we go into the Pro Tour, there's going to be a Grand Open. Um, so, some of us are doing like Pro Tour Grand Open, Grand Open, going from the Netherlands, chilling out somewhere else, and then going back to the Netherlands and then Pasadena. Some of us are just going to do the whole European thing. So there's going to be a lot of events. So if you guys are going to the events, please say hi. I mean, we'd love to. We're definitely going to chat that up and kind of get a better idea of where we're going to be when uh, as the days get closer. But definitely something that we're all super looking forward to and very excited to be a part of. So with that said, we are jumping into everyone's favorite segment of the show. Guess that flavor text. Now, I do know that last week I said, hey, cause I kind of goofed up. And you weren't able to guess and I gave you a point and all that. And, you know, shout outs to Tata for guessing a card I never thought he would guess. But since <laughs> Tada's is not actually here, we actually will start you off with a baseline of zero again because you get a shot at being able to guess the flavor text that he doesn't. So why not? Hey, I think this is a really great way to equalize things that aren't necessarily just like, hey, here's a point. Um, so for our viewers at home, the way that this plays out uh, is that I will be providing a flavor text for cause. Uh, he can then try to guess what the card is based on that flavor text and if he cannot guess it, I will provide him hints. He gets two different hints, one of which is the cost of the card, and the other is its typing. Uh, each of those will be removing one of potential three points away from them if he will need them. With that said, cause are you ready to jump into today's Guess That Flavor deck?
1: Best we can.
0: Alright, so left to face the void Lord threat alone after the Aristocrats fled, the Realm of Gloom's denizens readily switched sides. Um...
1: And this is the thing. I've been so excited about set three lore and, and reading all that flavor text. I keep telling myself I'm going to get back to uh, set two, but I haven't yet. So yeah, I was um,
0: uh, I was this close from choosing a set three card. And then I was like, wait, Cosmic's been reading every single card for the past yep. three days. <laughs> There's no shot. He's not going to guess which one I pull. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so this one's definitely going to be out of purple. Um, the And it's set two because we know about the Void Lords. Uh, well, I guess it's. Set 3 does actually mention Void Lords because going through blue, they're doing like a catch up to that story. So, less you know, non-zero percent chance but I'm definitely going to go with this one being uh, set 2 after the Aristocrats fled. So that has to do with like their ranks and stuff, but um, I'm definitely going to need a hint uh, off of this one just to start it off. I mean, I I can tell you it's purple. We know that much, but
0: yeah, so your hint is that it is a three cost. Um...
1: The flavor text is too short, so it's not a vanilla either. And Brew, I can, I, that's how you know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is some shorter ones in set three, but generally for set two, all the all the longer uh, flavor text were for uh, vanilla cards res- uh, exclusively. Um, but no, like, as someone who doesn't play a lot of purple, um, I, I am drawing a blank. I, I don't know what it is off of three. What is the family type?
0: The family type is undead
1: god that definitely doesn't narrow it down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because undead got a major archetype support in uh set two funny enough with undead mausoleum and things like that that let you draw a card so again random card that probably people have forgotten about already that's still the back of my mind rotting away um the skeleton is a two drop or no the skeleton gets back a two drop is it graft digger skeleton or whatever his name is is that, that the your only final answer that's that's gonna have to be my final answer because I can't think of another three drop. Because I think it's a three drop that gets a two drop back.
0: All right, that is correct. Grave Digger yeah, Skeleton.
1: Grave Digger, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go.
0: Yeah, I was feeling iffy on that one because I know it was a card you were pretty hyped on when it was first revealed. Because like this is one of those cards that can potentially enable whole new ways to play the game. Um, so huge congrats there. Uh, three cost, one purple reduction. Grave Digger Skeleton is an undead at level one. It's a one k. Level two, it's a four k. On levels one and two, when summoned, you may select the spirit cost that card two or fewer. From your trash and summon it exhausted um
1: yeah ryan's gonna be me about this one because he's actually been playing this card in a really sick yellow purple list and just beating my butt with it um because i also realize it's not just two costs it's two or fewer so like loop back those elementals for free and whatnot i'm like oh this actually does more than i thought it did and spoiler we actually got some really nice two drops uh with set three spoiled so far so this might even you know get some more room to grow in set three
0: so you're saying i can crash my zeros into my opponent and then I can Gravedigger Skeleton and back, crash both of those into my opponent, and then I can K and then get everything back into my hand. I mean, we are getting the lore set next week. So <laughs>
1: the infinite value deck is real, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, do, I, I do know that like uh, yellow purple is kind of like a thing that we've been talking about for a minute now, um, on and off, whether it was the discords and some people bringing it up. Um, just because like there's a lot of value engine there, um, especially with kind of like that synergy that purple and blue have of like, hey, we kind of care about bringing things back. We care about kind of like what's in your trash and kind of how that plays around. So I'm a uh, am decently excited to see kind of how that goes, especially in set three. We did end up getting uh what is this cross stitcher or whatever she's called. I can't remember her name, um, but she's like a mini nemesis that kind of plays really well into those strategies. Makes it very exciting.
1: Yeah, definitely for the aristocrat style um, nemesis, obviously got a lot of love with shadows in general. So I think there's still like, hey, there's the mono purple self-sacrifice. Uh, for value engine sure that's all fine but uh, yellow purple was just like getting all the blessed cathedral triggers ramping even more cores drawing more cards like the blessed cathedral is just insane and yellow purple like that's a it's, good card <laughs> it's very very good
0: yeah it's like we've been complaining about depths for a hot minute now but then like when like cathedral gets to pop off you're like this this card's crazy <laughs> oh um so with that said we are going to be jumping into reveal discussions because we did get reveals lots of reveals actually um a cosmic was around right this one where i was like ah you know i feel like reveals might again be kind of like the slow roll that they've been doing for the past little while but no we got the entirety of the starter deck in one go big fan of that uh, and then we've just kind of been culling and getting entire colors except x-rays i don't know what they're doing with these x-rays i don't know where you're all hiding them get them out of the closet i want to start seeing some x-rays but either way, we've been getting, for the most part, kind of like fully fleshed out components of a lot of the colors. Um, I, I one question, kind of to me, before we really jump into that, what happened to the numbering of like yellow and white? Like, because the, the, it's it my theory, the
1: set and no idea why.
0: Yeah, my theory was initially. That like, hey, maybe now that all the colors are out in the game, they're going into original JP numbering system to kind of align us there. But no, because apparently, according to Yumu, when I was talking about it, we'd be in green then. So like, yep. it's just I'm very confused as to what happened there, why that happened there. Not that it really changes much, but kind of threw a wrench into how I thought reveals were going to work this, the, you know, this season. So little bit yeah, just- there.
1: Yellow and white getting flipped, I guess. So, you know, we got the white so far, so more white tomorrow, and then should go into green because there's surely going to do uh blue at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. So, for the uninitiated aquatic invaders, uh, is the set coming out on October 27th, uh, same weekend as the pro tour. Uh, and a uh, big thing uh, of note there's a blue is coming in, which is very exciting. Also, if you guys want to see the trailer. The, the trailer is also available. It's pretty neat, actually. We see a couple of waifus in there, which I'm very excited to kind of see make their way into the card game. Uh, and we did get the entirety of the starter deck, which to me is very exciting, but also leaves me very like hopes and dreams about kind of like where this is going um, because it's mill and I absolutely love mill strategies. I think they're, they're easily my favorite of the bunch, but it's, it, and I'll actually bring up one of the cards here, kind of like get the discussion going it's one of those things where it's tied to attacking into your opponent. So this is a very tricky place where if you're not milling enough via a mechanic that forces you to interact with your opponent via attacking, then your alternate win con kind of never really gets online and we're actually just killing our opponents or unaliving our opponents, my apologies, uh, vers- versus actually doing the thing that we're trying to do, which is mill them out. Now, I do think there's a bonus that like, if the game ever goes long, you are favored in kind of like the late game, because you have this alternate win con that's kind of kicking in. But I do think it's a little bit tough to being as someone who wants to lean into the mill aspects of these kinds of decks to to not at least at the moment have a way to really kind of feel like will the mill is a win con I'm gunning for,
1: yeah. A lot of the times when I was proxying and for those that don't know, I did get a chance to proxy up the starter deck, plus the main set reveals. And a lot of times, like, if you take the spoilers we have today, you build a deck, throw it together, you're like, wow, Mill really sucks, but Raid is super cool. And it's like, I don't, and again, I think I want a single game based off Mill out of all the games I've played, but you get to see all these other cool, like, heavy control aspects of Blue kind of come online. But it really does feel like if Mill is meant to be, like, a consideration, I'm actually going to have that as the win con and not just, like... Oh, if I don't aggro you out early on and just kill you that way, you know, oh, it, the game went long enough and then I got there for mill, right? Like I it, you want to make the design of it to be achievable and have some kind of consistency base to it, right? The the big question comes back to at what turn does Mill mill you out, right? Let people do their consistent thing, but also make sure that it's long enough where you still have to attack your opponent. They still are forced to interact with you. And a lot of these spirits you'll find out are very weak. And we do have the starter deck that gives like, oh, plus one K to crush. That's not enough. And probably won't see play in the grand scheme of things other than a sideboard. So I know people are going to like have a knee jerk reaction to what I'm saying this. And it's not going to make sense until you play the deck out itself. We literally need a boss spirit or key spirit that mills 15. Like we need castle golem to be a thing in this set or mills not going to get there. There's no shot that mill holds up unless it gets a equally strong. Cause remember castle Golem as printed is balanced for a 40 card main deck and battle spirit saga is balanced at a 50 card, right? And there's, there's a gap where none of these spirits got upgraded for 40 versus 50 card deck. So even if they printed castle Golem line for line, it would be considered nerfed for battle spirit saga. So um, I, again, it's going to be like two weeks until we see X rares, I guess, but Whenever we do, hopefully we get a good uh, key spirit because Nirvana is not it. I'll tell you all right now. I love that it's like baby crush and baby raid to like let you see both sides of it, but that is 100% not what you want. You want a dedicated crush and a dedicated raid for the two different archetypes in blue. Like I did, I did not enjoy playing this card. It, a lot of times it was just like, I'm killing you because it's a double attack. I don't care about the mill. It's mm-hmm. a raid one and I got to blow something up. So We'll see. I, I'm excited to see where they go. But there's a lot to be desired on the mill side. But raid, love it. Absolutely love it where it's at so far.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, raid was really cool. Or not raid, but similar raid was, is it Tokiwa that can become a dual attacker, right? Like it's yes. the, yep, the, yep. the power of being able to swing twice is like absolutely huge. Um, and for those who don't know, Crush is an ability that says Crush plus some modifier. Um, when the spirit attacks, it will mill this card's level plus the modifier so nirvana which is on uh uh, on the screen right now if you are one of our video watchers uh currently has crush plus two on all levels so let's say it's a level three uh, and has crush plus two when it swings it'll mill a total of five cards which is the level three plus two so it's so i i know that some people did the math and they're like hey if we actually have like this card plus we're running lightning aura to give it confront and then if we're running um is a canyon that allows us to be able to attack twice with like our confront creatures and whatever so there's a world in which you can like mill 20 cards but like it is very convoluted uses a lot of cards that like it's and and it's that same notion of like plus with raid like i'm already hitting my opponent twice with potentially an 11k like that's not nothing so and and you know, if I'm comboing it with like, is it the I forget what the spirit is called, but is it the the two drop that like pops the thing whenever yeah, I think it's this guy right here. Uh yeah. Rammer Golem is great where it's like when oh, one, yeah, of it's cool. like one of your blue next is exhausted, it's like when your opponent's spirits that cost more fewer and destroy it. So now I'm you know, getting rid of their blockers and everything. It feels like that aspect of the deck is super cool. I'm just not entirely sure with what we've gotten so far that like mill actually gets there itself. So um but from that i mean there's lots of exciting cards in the starter deck otherwise um i think you know like if you were running a mill card i think more cards like battle beast bull top oh my god that's a card name um is (laughs) is is a card that can kind of like kind of get you there um during your attack step when a spirit card is described by your crush effect select one of your spirits place a core from it so now you're like it's a ramp i think uh cosmic made a wonderful video on reviewing the blue star deck i think you guys should definitely go check it out um, where you're talking, like, th- but there's still questions on regards of like, do we just do work rant instead? And then it's like less work to kind of get the same effect. Yeah, probably. And now we're leaning even more until we're just attacking to our opponents and kind of getting them pretty close to lethal. So it's that kind of balance there. Uh, but the rest of the strategy is like, I-, I will say that this is probably by far the strongest starter deck. I uh, Like, it is. And I think it's primarily because it streamlines a certain strategy much more. Like, it leans pretty heavily into the whole crush thing. And then the additional stuff it has on the side are just good value stuff. So it's like in the same reign of like purple, where like purple just like, yeah, like the purple starter deck is like curse plus some core removal. But turns out like that doesn't need to be like an archetype to just be good things you want to do anyways. So I think I think in that front is extremely good. And then, uh, yeah, uh, floodstream is a card that will forever change this game. Yep.
1: Very it- excited for this one in particular. And, and, you know, still the strongest card spoiled, right? Like it's whew, very good.
0: Yeah, it's a removal on flash timing. It says uh, five cost, two blue reductions. Uh, magic burst when you lose a life. Select a spirit during this turn. Treat it as its highest level. You may then pay this card's cost. Activate flashback. So honestly, not great. But there's a world in which I see I might actually want this, right? Like maybe I have to spend a turn being able to get a really big spirit down on one core. And then by being able to take the life, now it's actually like it's almost like pseudo acceleration almost it's like a defensive acceleration so i i think that has a lot more value than some people would give credit to because i think there are some cards this works incredibly well with but then beyond that it has the main and flash so like any number of your point spirits, with a combined total of five or fewer costs and destroy them and this is a massive massive ability i mean it's essentially for a lot of decks it's a board wipe at instant speed um, for other decks it's a one-for-one removal but like hey sometimes that's just like fine um, but I think this deck alone off of like how it skews the pterosaur matchup completely changes how the 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 metal looks in regards to moving forward beyond set two.
1: Yeah, this is definitely our dream bomb 2.0 as I call it in my video as well, where it's like, You might not main blue, like that might not be your color, but you are playing at least two of this and having some number in the sidebar, depending on how the the meta shakes up. Like it is going to be hopefully a foil (laughs) at some point in wave three. It'd be a huge miss if it's not. So Papa Bondi, please make this foil. Um, But it's one of those things, right? Just by just by it being printed is going to have such a dynamic shift in the meta that you know, doesn't really matter what other spoilers we get from this point. Like, we know that the starter deck is going to have a forever changing impact on the meta, and it's one that's welcomed. I think a lot of people can agree set two fell a little bit flat, unfortunately, and just the starter deck alone, it gives us a lot or gives that everybody should uh, give you a lot of hope about how the game is going to shift from here.
0: Yeah, and honestly, kudos for this being in the starter deck, right? Like the, like, don't get me wrong, dream Bob being in the starter deck, like huge props, because that was obviously a very meta impactful card, but They easily could have just made this like another Absolute Ice Shield situation and it would have been Absolute Ice Shield, right? Like this. So I think kudos that it's easily accessible as a four of in one starter deck if you want it. Um, And then you have arguably the greatest tool or one of the greatest tools that you'll need moving into kind of the next set. So very, very, very happy about that in terms of kind of what I think, you know, in, in, in the face of some... Sealed product that have had questionable value for uh, ROI in terms of things like uh, elemental spark, you know, and lore said being good value, but kind of a questionable on how many of the cards actually have impact. I think the blue starter deck is a great starting point for any players who might be interested to be jumping into the game. Uh, definitely uh, one that allows you to, intro- to to fiddle around with an alternative win con, which is a lot of fun, um, but also a strategy that's very cohesive and one that you could take to uh, an actual like locals out of the box and not feel totally miserable about, which is very nice. So very excited about that and then we started jumping into reveals so the reveals for the main set like we uh were said beforehand didn't actually talk about any we we didn't see any x-rays for some reason they're holding all of them hostage i don't know where let us know bandai so we can send the fbi set them free and we can start seeing these cards um but we have gotten a lot of cards get it out of the way all right i'm gonna just get it out of the way there's lots of in this set guys i don't know what to tell you okay like i'm not i've already did, said this i'll do like a full set review when like set three's fully out and i can talk about my spiel there again but Lord knows, it's been three days of me nonstop talking about vanillas. I'm not doing it again. Tldr, there's about as many vanillas in this set as there were in set two. You know, take that as you will. Say what you have to say about that. Most of their stat lines aren't impressive. It is what it is. If you like reading some lore, well, you got some more books there for you. Um,
1: yeah, not much else to say about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but you know, I do think there are some exciting cards. Like if you if you are a lore head, I do think this is a very exciting set. I think we're seeing like it's. It wasn't totally clear to me in set two kind of like the impact that like the Void Lords had and kind of how that all shape has shifted. And I think set three on that front closed a lot of loops in terms of like, hey, this is like what happened to all of the Void Lords and how all the uh, all the different colors have kind of dealt with that. And now that we have blue in the image and blue are trying to like reun- reunify in their very own messed up way all of the different nations and everything. So I think I think it's in terms of what the sets are doing lore-wise. I think this is kind of the most excited I've been about lore because there's just so many like what's going on now now that I have a deeper understanding of all the players and all that. So interesting to see on that front. And with that, I mean, we got Darkworm. I am, I will say, I think in terms of like the story implications, I'm kind of not loving this initial iteration of Darkworm. Like he's literally just a body with confront. Um, and then on level three, he buffs up all the guys, which are pretty large. I mean, I will say it's a pretty like, substantial bp bump 3k is like not nothing so it, it's very real on that front and there are a lot of star dragons that wish they had confront so you can kind of build like a star dragon confront deck now kind of reliably and it probably works better than the dinosaur confront deck if i'm being totally honest um so i mean that's fine but i don't love that this is the first like dark worms seems like such a dunk for like an xr in my opinion like if you're yep. really going to introduce them into into the into the game at this point
1: yeah, do love the artwork, though. And, uh, you know, again, to that point, it's Star Dragons has this theme stuck with it where you have Nova at the top end who is going to delete the board anyways. You have Mars who's a double attacking, and then you have Dark Worms like, yeah, I'm also going to clear the board. I'm just going to do it differently. So mm-hmm. why have so many of these cards be focused into this when we don't have like that big, I guess, to be fair, of a confront payoff where Nova can just be a two-card combo that heals you and blows up the board for that turn? And, of course, you can make the argument for um you know turn over turn if they have multiple things that are going to be 10k well this can make all your guys like 12k 13k confronters pretty easily but uh, again what does that format look like where we really care about that that's not like i guess if it's if you're playing into white this this can make a lot of sense for the massive bp boost but um even then you know that's just such a such a unfavored <laughs> matchup for you I, I don't think this is going to be the thing that gets you over that uh hill unfortunately
0: yeah i think the biggest thing there is like hey it makes our Nova's 15 Ks. That means we're not trading with Enterprises, at least without them like investing a battle trick into it. So like there's that maybe, but you know, not fully in love with that card. However, uh, and it, you know, star dragons kind of doing this thing again. Um, ancient dragons kind of making a return here. Uh, one of the big ones is, uh, oddly enough, just little, uh, little reptoid here, uh, is one of kind of the, one of the bigger waves in terms of red. We got Camellia whip is a two cost one red reduction reptoid. Uh, on uh, level 1, it's a 3k. On level 3, it's a 5k. On levels 1 and 2, the spirit cannot block. Uh, however, on level 2, during your opponent's attack step, if the spirit is exhausted, your opponent's spirits with fewer BP than the spirit cannot reduce your life. Um, so big, it's like big Dragon Arc, right? Dragon Arc protecting you from, is it what, 2ks, I think? Yep. So this one you yes. have to attack, but once that's done... Uh once that all said and done, as long as this thing remains on board, you will not be taking damage. And I think it's kind of nice that it scales would be I feel like this is the card that was missing in set one when all the red defensive cards say like like on burst give this card like two K or give this card through Like this combos really well with firewall, because all of a sudden firewall is like actually almost just i shield at this point, right? You I think it busts by four K. So it busts up the camellia whip to nine K, and now you got like nine K or whatever, right? So like that's that's pretty real. Like that blocks lots of things that won't be able to be able to do damage to you. So it's I think, I think this is a really neat card in regards of, like, Red is getting more defensive toolings. They lean a little bit more aggressive. Like, you do need to attack into your opponent to be able to kind of do this. Um, but this has so many cool implications, right? In terms of, like, hey, Curse actually, like, Blood Curse actually can't hit us right now when, when we have this on board, right? It's, it, it blanks the turn now. Uh, not Mind you, purple decks don't necessarily have an issue getting rid of an Exhausted 2 cost. But... It's still there in as far as kind of giving the game more tools to explore how to play the game defensively, which I think will be very welcome for new players, especially who feel like sometimes when they get into the game, like, hey, I just played Spirits and turned Spirits sideways. And that's kind of how my experience of the game, right? And I think more cards like these lend themselves to a better early uh, new player experience in terms of just having the defensive options to let players go into the late game.
1: Yeah, also, uh, you know, might give us some hope for the future to see like a red white list kind of come together. Um, Again, being uh, one of those popular, uh, I shouldn't say most popular, but a a popular combination all the same we see in Japanese Battle Spirits where you have that power of both sides where it's now like the two enemies are coming together to form a deck and you have uh, this card in particular, which is going to come down early. You know, it's going to attack pretty easily for 5k and then you say, "Okay, well, now I have my wall established. I'm not bleeding out, uh, you know, my life and I can just, you know, slowly ramp cores turn after turn.
0: Uh, Very exciting. I actually don't hate the art on this, too. It's like very very um stylized in a way that makes it very enjoyable it's very it's a lot of red don't get me wrong but it's very pleasant to look at uh imo Uh, moving into purple i think the biggest excitement for purple here for me is definitely this costume artist the three cost one purple reduction nightling on levels one two and three when the spirit attacks you may destroy one of your other spirits to draw a card and then on levels two or three it also has curse and then uh level one it's a 2k one core on level two, it's a 3k for two cores, and on level three, it's a 4k for four cores. So, stat line's not great, but I do love that as curse, um, which makes it viable. I mean, this is mini nemesis, right? And I think having a repeatable way that your opponent doesn't want to block into to be able to kind of get your destruction abilities off again, yellow purple can kind of be great to play with a card like this. Um, I think is super, super great, especially since like you draw a card and then that'll probably proc swamp, so it draws you a card and then proc cathedral, which gets you like a, a core, and then maybe you know, like there's just it it lends itself to a lot of great plays that nemesis wants to do and you probably do play nemesis in the style deck anyways but at least it gets your engine on on play much 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 earlier than having to wait the you know seven cores it takes to get nemesis on board and then the uh however many cores plus board set up to be able to actually start getting value off of them
1: yeah much lower to the ground payoff which is uh best utilized by the yellow purple deck right now. But again, we might see more things uh, in the near future. And what I didn't realize uh, until I was looking up some uh, games, I think it's from like a Malaysia qualifier. Nightling is actually a a major archetype in Japanese battle spirits. Like it just won a tournament like Nightlings the deck. So um, this could also be the start of that expansion like we saw with set two that had undead and and even more serpent support. We could see this really be in, you know, the X-Rare. Once again, not revealed yet. We know it's a Nightling. Maybe it's a Nightling payoff, we might be getting pushed more in that direction with set three being like the first, hey, let's really focus on these uh, family archetypes and build them up even more.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm very excited to see kind of where it goes, especially since this is the kind of play style that excites me the most about purple. Um, I Don't get me wrong. I think like Turbo Curse and Duke is cool. It kind of does its own thing. I think uh, core control with purple is very neat in regards to like how efficient it is and how good it is at combating like the early game and stuff like that. Um, but these kinds of engines where like I'm recurring bodies, I'm getting rid of them, I'm drawing, like it's just value town, right? And I just kind of love that we're really starting to be able to sink into these kind of value-centric archetypes and just kind of where that goes. So very excited on that front. In terms of like the purple stuff, uh, for the most part, you kind of just have more curse stuff, more low of the Ground stuff on that front. Um, and something I forgot to mention in red, but actually, um, we have in every single color. Um, Eternal Penguin, uh, Pilgrim, is a three-cost, one purple reduction, undead. Uh, On levels one, two, and three, when destroyed, discard the top three cards of your deck. Then select an Amethyst Sanctuary from your trash and return it to your hand. And this is very interesting because up so far, every color has had a card that search quote unquote searches, search draws for a sanctuary and either puts in your hand or puts into play or something like that. So I think it's very interesting that we're finally seeing them kind of like build together archetypes that have like search draws and consistent stuff like that. And it almost makes us, and like they talk about it quite heavily in the lore text and everything like that. So it, it really feels like, I don't know what, but we're leaning into these sanctuaries mattering pretty decently in regards to kind of where we're going to set three. Mind you, we haven't seen any sanctuaries. We haven't seen any payoffs for these sanctuaries, but every color is getting a card that's looking them up. So what's happening here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was waiting. You skipped over it. So I was like, oh man, I'm gonna let him go through the other colors before I go on my <laughs> rant. But going back to the comment about the lore, uh, you know, with set two, we had the Void Lord trailer. It was just like, hey, here's some big dumb idiots. Oh, Tokiwa save the day. Great. Uh, but now with set three and with the trailer, like we have our main villain, we see the Star Havoc Rain happening again, we see the sanctuaries get hit, we see the cores power down, right? This is a huge lore tie-in to the trailer now being on the cards. And then, of course, we're going to see the Nexus eventually. Um, and then it even ties into if you read the lore uh, for the yellow cards, right? If you go to the end of the trailer, you'll notice that purple, yellow, and blue, of course, are like the three surviving ones. And yellow has quite a bit of flavor text that says, hey, the penguins held on to some big secret. Oopsies. Now we have the penguins have to go tell everyone how to save the other bloody realms. I'm <laughs> like, Are you serious? <laughs> These penguins just causing so much mischief for everybody. And also, oh my God, can we appreciate, if I'm not mistaken, this is also Battle Spirit Saga exclusive artwork um, in this one and in some of the bird folks. So it's like one, I I hate that it's so slow, but it's like One Piece and it's like Digimon where by set three, by set four, we are getting more exclusive artwork and it just looks so much better. Like I get it. Yellow is just the aesthetically pleasing color by all their, their fantasy and fairy tale and cute creatures and stuff like that. But this just looks good. And then also, this card's cracked. Like, the fact that you read and it has a filter effect, and then it also has blessed. If the Topaz Sanctuary is good at all, this card is immediately insane. And I cannot wait to see what Topaz Sanctuary does. And hopefully, it's not like just the Void Lords were like, hey, here's some big dumb idiots. Whatever. So, I got to give a huge shout out to Bondi. Going from set two to set three, and obviously, the lore set as well. We got to give him a shout out. The team has done great. There's a huge, huge again. If you care about lore or not, that's its own discussion. But there is a very nice pickup in the attention to lore and tying it all together from the trailer into the lore cards in the actual set, and uh, now having some kind of payoff that might do something. I love it. Absolutely a huge step up. But God, I hope they're playable, or it's just going to be another Void Lord situation after all this build up. So fingers crossed for the sanctuaries.
0: Yeah, hundred percent hope. Like, and and that's the thing, right? It's like set two was the Lord set and it literally was just the, what was it? The four big idiots plus Tokiwa. And like, that's no, that's not true. They got one piece of support in the mortal 10 card. That's it. Like that. <laughs> so like it's, it exists, but like, it's just, it just felt like a half commitment here. It really feels like they're going into it. Every color has a cycle. All of them are supposedly getting a nexus. And what do they do? Who knows? But I mean, they're important enough to search for. And I think the yellow one's great. Like the yellow one, not only searches for it, it is a repeatable search because it's like every time you crash, like, like let's say you have a board of three or four spirits, you are more likely than not finding this card, which is great. Um, the, cert, the cards go back to the bottom of the deck, which is awesome because up until now, uh, these effects usually throw them into trash, which I like never feels good. Um, and then it plays it for free, which is huge. The fact that like you are getting you, you are getting your reduction back instantly. From the body that you had lost. And in yellow, odds are if you're crashing your bodies in, you're gaining cores, you're drawing cards. Like it's, it leans very well into what yellow wants to do. Um, and I think to that end is like definitely a huge plus up uh, in terms of what it does. And actually, I, I didn't read out the card, so my apologies to our audio only listeners. This is that uh, Impulsive Pilgrim is a yellow three cost, one yellow reduction, Fae Folk. On levels one, two, and three during your opponent's attack step, reveal the top two cards of your deck when one of your spirits is destroyed by your opponent. Place a Topaz Sanctuary from the revealed cards without paying its cost return the remaining cards to the bottom of your deck in any order and then on level three she also has blessed so i think it's it's great because like being a blessed body is so real right it's just like you're gonna be crashing your other bodies into it and now your opponent actually has to consider do i want to block these attacks knowing that if i leave myself wide open my opponent's also gaining a life like i think this card has so much going for it it has the like downside of being a yellow card so the stats aren't good but like at the end of the day i think that's perfectly fine with what yellow is trying to do anyways. I am. Very excited for this card. I think in terms of like all the other pilgrims, she is definitely the best one. Um, and it's just kind of like, what are the sanctuaries? That's just, kinda, that's just what, what we need to know.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy because this is a big pickup for Luster as well. When you think about it, because it has that blessed body, it allows you to stabilize a little bit better. And it builds in those reductions, which you want for Michaela. You want to have as many reductions uh, or symbols on board to have that big payoff and to be, have an easier time to dig for those spells. Uh, and then, of course, we got a new angel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that we do. We got Judgment Angel Flagellum, a six cost, which, which was really funny. So six cost is very relevant because we got Floodstream, right? And me and Cosmic were literally talking the day before. It's like Luster, like because magics are finally getting interesting enough that you can actually consider running Michaela, and it probably at least has some legs. But we we're like, yeah, but our only Luster body and is a five drop, it just gets flooded. Like who cares, right? And then like the day after, we got a six cost, two yellow reduction Angel. On levels 1, 2, and 3, Luster. And then on levels 2 and 3, during your attack step, when you use a magic card that costs 5 or more, reduce all of your opponent's spirits by 2k BP during this battle after its effect resolves. This is a massive ability, and you don't even need to be attacking with Angel for this to even proc off. So you can just have her sitting there real nice and pretty on level 2, and then like Exhaust Nexus while swinging with something else, and then, you know, destroy your opponent's board by 5k. Or just like, it, there's so many lines of play in which this can either destroy bodies, or it can outright just put bodies in range to be able to do a bunch of different things. It's a fantastic card, and its stat lines are actually good. It's a four k on level one, it's a six k on level two for three cores, and then it's an eight k for four cores. I mean, th- there is so much going right. Dude, the only thing you could almost argue is like maybe she should have like a reduction more or whatever, but like this card's plenty. Like if this card does like just enough. I think it's exactly where Lester wants to be. It's like, it's a body that can get you that Luster value and get you that Luster inevitability that also just has some great usage on board if you can't just do Luster things. Like, I I absolutely adore this card. I think this, is, this card is absolutely fantastic when it comes to playing a Luster deck.
1: Yeah, and again, we always talk about the problem with Luster being is you have to burn those exhaust nexus early sometimes to be defensive, and then you can't get enough BP reduction when you need to do your big combo turns. And just having that baked in 2K, like suddenly you're hitting 5Ks just off one spell is going to do a lot of damage. And if at the very least, right, she's going to be able to attack. You have the one exhaust nexus, do the effect. And then if you really have to, you can swing with another luster guy, burn the last exhaust nexus. And that's still going to be enough to clear the board, even if you are losing the last one. But hey, play those one to two of Clavis in in, in the deck, hit the Michaela, get all your exhaust nexus back, because why not? So definitely it's finally coming together, as we mentioned, for the top end. But we really got to see some of that, the, the floor of luster come together.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and at, at, at the very least like in a world where axe lives on till set three now it's a it's a two-card combo but one's a spirit that just sits on board right which makes it significantly easier for you to be able to deal with that one exhaust nexus will clear it and then you kind of could just go from there so i think it's uh and and i do like that there's counterplay as the axe player where you guys can just you can just have two cores on your uh, Nomengard city and then it's a 6k right like don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say like i love blowouts but i think the fact that now there's real counterplay in terms of how you go into your turn and how you think about your defensive turn going against your yellow opponent is a lot of fun, and I like that this card kind of introduces that. I agree with you; it's still the top end. It still feels like the luster deck is literally just Michaela plus Fl- Flagum, and then like two Clavises to get back whatever we need in the late game, right? And then it's just like the rest of the yellow decks, kind of whatever. But I like that it kind of provides that in, especially with. Going into a flood format. I think it's gonna be it's a great tool in that But honestly, yellow in general, I think, has been the most exciting color for this reveal. I think like we got a ton of Otherlander support. Like we got we got pentans, um, which like obviously, uh, as the people of the church, we are very excited for Pentans. Wonderland card soldier pentan is a three cost three yellow reductions, making it absolutely free. Uh, Otherlander. I'm I am a little bit surprised that it's not dual typing with Loracle Bird or whatever the Pentans usually are. I think that's a little bit jarring. Um, but regardless, it on levels one, two and three, when summoned, select an other lander spirit card from your trash and return it to the top of the deck, which is very relevant because, of course, we can combo that with Charles to be able to free play. It. And now now the whole sauce is coming together, right? Like we have the cards that allow us to sequence and play things. And hey, if you don't want to go ahead and straight uh, play from the top of the deck with Charles, you can go ahead and use. Uh, Pumpty. <laughs> I never read this card's name out loud. Yep. Wonderland <laughs> Pumpty Dumpty, <laughs> which is a four cost Otherlander. I uh, reveal the top card of your deck if it has the same cost as any spirits, add it to your hand. Right. So now, now we're in a position where we're really going out of our way to synergizing with the top of our deck, getting what we need there. I think this is the consistency piece I was missing to feel like you could play an Otherlander version of the Otherlander deck. Right. Up until now, we've seen some success of king charles by like just spamming out eight drops and just kind of doing the thing but realistically that's an axe deck that's just being greedy here i think you can kind of fully commit to the four five six drop well six we have a couple of six drops hopefully we get a couple of more um but other lander strategy and i think it's lending itself to being a real deck you can actually play
1: yeah, and we know based on the sequencing that we are gonna get a other lander for the X-Rare uh, in yellow, which most likely is going to be a six drop. And what I really like is this feels more like how yellow is supposed to be played out. It's really a color identity that wants to lean into its spirits and cycle themselves over and over, right? Like the reason why Fable Beast is as good as it is is because you have Paradise and that just naturally draws you cards. But that's I'm doing a Nexus thing. I'm not doing a Let's play with my spirits on board thing, other than just like they have a typing. So I'm really excited because this finally brings us back to yellow and how it should feel to play. And I think there's going to be a lot of like, even if it's not a tier one deck, right? By any means, like this is just going to be a super fun deck to play that is also fun to deck build because it always creates an interesting puzzle to figure out okay, how many three, four, five, or six costs am I putting into the deck and what does that look like? Or do I just want to do like a three and five cost style of deck? Right. So, this I think just opens up a lot more deck building opportunities in yellow that we were really lacking. So, fingers crossed, we're going to have a good other Otherlander Nexus and a good Otherlander X Rare. And I think the deck will be playable. So, fingers crossed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think uh, the one last big highlight uh, Wonderland Cheshire Cat, a two cost one yellow reduction, Otherlander slash Fable Beast, which, like, hey, We know we've been talking about how like it'd be nice to transition away from Fable Beast, but hey, anytime we get a two cost Fable Beast, it's a big plus because that's a lot of synergies across archetype that allows you to be able to flush out your bottom. And this one, having the relevant ability down levels one, two, and three, when summoned, reduce the cost of your next yellow magic card you use from your hand this turn by one. Very relevant ability. Definitely allows you to have more explosive turns for sure. That sets up a reduction. Plus you get the core back in effectively the form of a reduction of the cost, um, which can actually make some of your, depending on the boards you have, it can actually cost you to just have like a free exhaust nexus or something like that, you know, so it's a, it's a very welcome card in terms of like the strategies and what it's trying to do, especially being a two drop means that like between Ervada and whatever, there's a world in which you can kind of bring this back, recur this and do some very cute things in regards to um, having some really explosive turns uh, with it, especially when you combo it with like saying having a Pentan on board.
1: Yep, I really like this one in particular because it lines up one, you don't have to rely on Penton anymore for the Fable Beast deck, and it sets you up for your Topaz Radiance to make sure that Hippo is either it's going to kill something or it is healing you, right? Getting Hippo to 6k is super relevant The turn you're able to play this. So um, I do think that Fable Beast after this set, you know, we have to see the X-Rare, Billigatory Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Uh, it is just going to be a hyper draw deck. Like you can run your Paradise, you can run four Topazes. We finally have a two drop to play early. We have all the Bless stuff, like Yellow's going to be drawing a lot of cards, and it's going to be kind of scary. <laughs> it's set three,
0: yeah. But you know what? If, if if we're in a world where yellow's tier one, I'm okay with that world, man. I, you know, let's let's get some change up at the top. I'm I'm so okay with this. Uh, and then moving into the white reveals, uh, we got a couple of cute cards. Androids now kind of flesh out as a full archetype. Um, so we've got things like uh Valkyrie hilder um, so kind of the uh, big sister version of Valkyrie Mist, five cost two white reductions android on levels one two and three one summon select one of your opponent's spirits and return to their hand so it does not have the restriction of it being a seven cost or lower uh, and then additionally when destroyed by your opponent on level three you may select one of your android spirits and refresh it 2k a 4k and a 7k respectively on one three or five cores. Uh, i like it I, I think i i still stand by my notion i think valkyrie miss is better for the type of deck that these kinds of cards play into um but the fact that we now have a dream bomb effectively on a body that doesn't have the restrictions of hitting seven lower, which like with elephant and with Aegis, lord knows we know how relevant eight costs are in this game right so i think i think the fact that that's that can exist in this world and we have the ability to be able to do that while still applying pressure uh, on a similar cost to dream bomb is kind of a welcome part of the equation i think it's a, it's a nice card to include in terms of the toolkit you want to have as white uh, when you're evaluating kind of like how you want to tackle the format
1: yeah, I I do appreciate too that they made the the level three silicon consideration. It doesn't have like any relevant payoffs right now, but it's something that could line up in set four, in set five, right? So uh at five cores, it's a lot to like play this and to level up fully, but who knows? Might do something interesting um in later sets.
0: Yep. Uh then we got uh, things like Shield Soldier Balder, which kind of really doubles down on this android archetype, which before we only had like two Android cards, I think two or three. We had like King Herald, we had Valkyrie Misk and whatnot, but now they're really doubling down on the uh, family. So two cost, one white reduction uh, on levels one and two, armor red, purple, and then on one two, when the spirit blocks, if your opponent used an effect, they control to draw a card this turn. select like when your opponent's spirits return to the hand. A little bit wonky, a little bit weird. Your opponent could definitely play around this if they're seeing it on the board, um, especially with like, let's say they have depths on board, the way they sequence the abilities, they can just choose your ability first and things like that. So it's a little bit weird, but at the end of the day, uh, still fine in terms of trying to flesh out what the family wants to do um and then the, the biggest interesting cards uh, of course we also did get the uh, white pilgrim so pilgrim synthetic stage uh, when destroyed by an opponent you get to view the five, top five cards of your uh, deck place a diamond sanctuary reveal from that paying it cost. so it's nice that this one is free and it does dig deeper than the other ones uh, but you do have to destroy this card and white doesn't get recursion as easily um so that's you know notable on that front um, i'd say the two biggest cards in terms of like hey where's you know like white every set just gets like a suppression ability well uh, this suppression ability is kind of based off of two cards here um so first we'll kick it off with sheriff eagle which i love what they did here i made this comment on the discord they did the digimon thing where they took an animal they gave it armor and gave it a gun
1: <laughs> i love the fact that he just has the gun man it's it's one of the details that you miss, but then you see it it just it cracks me up
0: mm-hmm. yep it's just there so it's a four cost two white reduction machine beast uh, on levels one and two, when the spirit blocks during this battle, your spirits and your opponent's spirits cannot be destroyed in battle. So it's like a simultaneous elk effect. Uh, so once it's blocked, nothing on board can actually be destroyed, um, but it's just for that battle. But won't matter much when we see the next card. It also has armor white green. I think white being the most relevant armor, um, especially since it has that destruction protecting ability tied in. So the big susceptibility here, for the most part, is purple, but it combos really well with. We got another capybara kind (laughs) of uh dive dive mech capybot is a three cost one right deduction (laughs) machine beast on levels one and two when the spirit blocks select one of your spirits with armor that spirits may block even if exhausted during this turn and it itself on level two has armor blue so the idea being that you can block with the eagle or not block with the eagle kind of doesn't matter really um but whenever you can you kind of block with the capybot you select the eagle Or anything. You could actually just do Axe Spider for what it's worth. But assuming that we're trying to stick with the inset cards, you target Eagle. Now Eagle can block infinitely. It can never be destroyed. Your opponent doesn't lose spirits, but you're basically suppressing. It's suppression on a stick, assuming you have the right armor bodies, which at the moment are like Eagle and Axe for the most part. And I think think it's neat. I think it's a, you know, like we're getting to a density of suppression abilities where it kind of doesn't matter. Like just pick your flavor, whichever one you want, and you'll probably see some level of success with it. But um, this one is repeatable. Um, and also the the cute combo is the fact if you want to keep repeating this ability, assuming both spirits live, you can turn your like battle tricks that don't have a lot of usage in the matchup. Like I say you have Cordrain and the matchup just doesn't lend itself to Cordrain. You can actually use that to save Capybot when it blocks and then you'll get another turn of usage on it's when the spirit blocks. So I think that's I think it's the notion
1: that it's a repeatable potentially suppression effect. That's kind of neat. But that
0: said for the most part that's kind of like everything that we've seen thus far is there like any specific i know we got bird folk which like hey they're kind of doubling down on that archetype is there any like other specific cards that you think are highlights or worth mentioning that i may have forgotten kind of we're going through this quick overview of kind of all the cards we've gotten thus far
1: No, for sure. Definitely hit out on the big ones. Um, The only other thing I'll mention from the white pilgrim is that it is a reveal five, which is definitely the deepest uh, that we're going to see. So like if we do get to see a sanctuary that's worth anything, and if the white one in particular is good, um, you know, this guy is just going to be able to find it with such consistency. Uh, But then I just want to pull this up again because I love his artwork. And obviously, if you're an audio listener, you'll have to go look it up. But uh, pilgrim synthetic sage has got to be my favorite so far of the pilgrims like i really do love the the white uh, or the yellow aesthetic with the fairy and the flower garden all that stuff um but this one i think is just like a really cool like looking out at the desolate land and then also it plays well into the lore set um with their lands being just completely ravaged by the star rain that happened uh from the realm of uh water so it's really curious to see how this will all play out but um again hopefully sometime soon we're gonna see the sanctuaries but no i think at least for where we're at right now that's kind of the big highlights definitely a much larger Family focus that we've seen so far in set three that may or may not matter depending on where the x rays land. But I would not be surprised at all if by set four there is going to be a very heavy, you know, family or arch- archetypal push that we do kind of see come together at the end of the block format.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited to kind of see what happens there. And I think the biggest thing is the fact that we're pivoting more and more into the notion of getting a better understanding of what families want to do. And kind of how like it's it's nice that I can start creating identities around the different components of battle spirits, not only just through color association, but through family association and stuff like that. Right. Like there's there's definitely a strong sense of that in set one. And then they tried to continue that into set two. But I think in set three is kind of really where we're getting ideas. Right. Like we got a couple of Android cards. What are Androids doing? I don't really know. Now I have a better idea based on the cards that we're getting now. OK, this is kind of how this plays along This is how this kind of comes together um, to that. So I'm very excited on that front. I think reveals are going to keep on going until who knows how long. We've been getting 12-ish cards every single day. Um, once we get to the XRs, who knows? Maybe they just give them all of, all of them in one go or not. Well, who knows at that point? Um, but we'll also get the sanctuaries. And actually, it kind of brings up an interesting conversation, or at least kind of kind of a little tidbit we can do. Would you be okay if we got like XR nexuses or XR magics, right? Like, Are, are you open to the idea that we use some of those higher rarity slots on things that aren't...
1: I'm all for it, right? If we go back to the lore set, we did get to see kind of the XR treatment in some magics, and they look gorgeous. And then if we also go back to the test prints, we did see a SPR Nexus test print. So, uh, and the the numbers don't work out just yet in that it might be green that has it, but I would not be surprised if one of these colors has their x rare shifted to one of the sanctuaries just because of how much importance has been placed on them so if we do see it during one of the sets it might be this one but uh, as far as i know and someone i'm sure is going to correct me because i think that you know braves also count and those are like our weapons but they're also still spirits as far as i know it's always been spirits or you know 99 of the higher rarity stuff has always been spirits because at the end of the day the game is called battle spirits right that is meant to be the focus shocker i know uh but i would really love to see some of that uh you know high rarity foil treatment on some of the other cards or at a minimum let's just kind of get that you know nice full art texture as a online participant thing give me a you know full art cathedral you know something like that i would love to see it
0: yeah 100 percent. i mean i know i'm gonna get yelled at so high heavens here but because people aren't gonna like what i'm about to say oh no i shield should have been an xr oh
1: yeah I think that's fair that's <laughs> i don't nope. th- won't get a complaint from me sorry <laughs> like i
0: understand i understand people are very upset because that was like a 30 dollar card for quite a while and like what i'm proposing would have made it like a 60 70 card but like hey local game stores might still be holding on to the set like we might actually be moving one product if that was the case you know so don't get me wrong big proponent for accessibility but i just don't have issues when powerful magics and nexuses kind of roll into being higher rarity cards i think that's fine but i also come from magic and like the, the lands you need for your deck are rare, right? Like, it's, like if anyone who plays Magic Arena knows how annoying it is to be able to craft decks because, like, all your rare wild cards end up going into land. So I can also kind of understand the frustration there for, like, must-have pieces, but... Eh. We'll see. Uh, with that said, I'm uh, very excited to see what's coming. Um, I, I want to see these sanctuaries. I want to see how they play with, like, everything, right? Like, it, it feels like it, you know, we've been asking for, and in set two, we wanted new ways to play the game as opposed to just kind of building blocks on, like, the same stuff we've been playing for sets we have searchers we have a nexus assuming how the payoffs work maybe we have whole new decks in every single color which can lend itself to being very interesting so i'm very excited to kind of see how that all comes together uh, of course if you guys want to be a part of the conversation then you guys can go ahead and join the unofficial discord uh, link should be down in the description of the video uh, or you can go ahead and search us up on any of my Cosmic's videos. I believe they're there as well. If you guys want to join, we talk about the reveals every single day, whenever they happen, um, whether that's the morning or the evening or late at night. Like it, it, We'll we'll be around and we'll be talking about it. So you guys definitely want to do that there as well. You guys will want to jump onto the Discord if you guys have any questions or any confessionals that you would like us to talk about on stream. With that said, this has been a bit of a longer episode. Thank you very much, Cosmic, for joining me on another episode. Uh, here's to hoping that John has a great business trip and will be here to join us again next week. And with that said, we will catch you guys on the next episode of the Church of Pentand podcast. May the cores bless your top deck.